Welcome to Diving Into Diets. I'm Brad White, joined today by Dr. Philip Lancaster, nutritionist at the Kansas State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Hi, Philip. Hello, Brad. Happy to have you with us today. And we're going to talk grazing. Grazing is one of the big things that all of our producers deal with. We've talked previously about cool season grass grazing. But I want to shift gears today and talk about warm season grass grazing because a little bit different to manage. You talked about most time we talked about cool season. A lot of times those are a monoculture or you have a single species of plant growing there. We manage across the board. Warm season pastures are not that way in most cases. Yes. And you say warm season. Uh, there's two different types of warm season. There's warm season introduced grasses like Bermuda grass. Managing that is much like managing a cool season pasture because it's a monoculture. Just a different time of year. Yes. Uh-huh. But then we have warm season native pastures or native range. And that is a multi-species grassland. And that is a very different management structure or way of thinking than when you're working with a monoculture. So when you start thinking about putting those together, and we we talked on cool season grass management intensive grazing, and I think both you and I, we didn't put specific numbers on it, but both you and I are picturing a high number of cows in a small area and they move frequently, right? So you may have cows in a few acres and they're moving every few days at the extreme end of the scenario, but you don't see that very often in warm season grasses where we would group them all in a very small area. And part of it is these warm season, and now I'm referring to the native pastures you're talking about, they're big. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we've got much larger ranches generally in the native prairie areas of the country. And so there's a lot more variation across the landscape. And so it's different in managing those. And it's not nearly as easy to cross fence and water. And so management intensive grazing becomes much more difficult. And from the research perspective, the rotational grazing studies that have been done in native range have not shown improvements in productivity from a forage perspective or a cattle perspective like they have in our monoculture cool season or monoculture warm season grasses. Well, and part of this may be what you told me before we got on, which is in our cool season grasses, we're a essentially managing quantity left behind. We're managing and the cattle are going to go in and if they've got a pasture of all fescue, they're going to eat fescue down to a certain point. We make sure that it can remain vegetative and grow back. That's not true because these warm season grasses, you said there's lots of different species in there and cattle don't just graze evenly across the board. No. So we've got a multi-species pasture or grass land in this case. And so those cattle eat the preferred species first especially if they have access to a large area. And then those species decrease in population and the species that are less preferred increase in population because of the lack of competition. And they keep hitting them, right? They keep going back to, it's just like me and potato chips, right? You can't keep potato chips in the house because you keep hitting the same thing over and over again. Yeah, so, you know, think about this. When you're managing a grazing pressure, that animal eats off a plant, the regrowth on that plant is much higher quality than the other plants that were not grazed off. So what that animal wants to do is go right back to that same plant and graze it off again because the quality is much higher. So it seems like a rotational grazing would fix that or not? Well, it will. So there are some newer studies that are looking at what the term adaptive multi-paddock grazing. And this is specific on rangelands, but it's It's somewhat similar to what the term of management intensive grazing that has been used in cool season monocultures. But it's a little different way of thinking in the fact that we're trying to manage the heterogeneity across the 
landscape, and that's a little different. And frankly, from a research perspective, a lot of the research has been looking at comparing ranches that have already been doing this adaptive grazing, comparing it to ranches that are right next door that have been using continuous grazing. There have not been any published studies where somebody has tried to introduce this adaptive management grazing practice on a university ranch or a private ranch. And so one of the the issues that we have from a education standpoint is how do you teach somebody how to do this? Well, first, you're going to have to tell me a little bit more. When you say adaptive management strategies, that's different than management intensive grazing. Tell me exactly what you mean when you say adaptive management strategies on a warm season native pasture. That's part of the issue. I really can't. Okay. (laughs) Well, that is going to make it hard to teach. Yes, (laughs) exactly. And so that's some of what we're trying to learn from research is, okay, what do you have to try to adapt to? And what we know is that there is a lot more variation in climate or especially rainfall in native grassland areas of, you know, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, those places. And that we also know that those large ranches have a lot of different soil types across the ranch and things like like that that change the productivity. Some parts of the ranch probably hold water better than others. And so that productivity differences across the ranch are part of what we're trying to adapt to. We haven't figured out the key factors that we need to adapt to and how to adapt to those exactly. Research is trying to learn some of those things currently where we can teach that and better improve that management strategy. Okay, so we don't know exactly what we have to do there, but one of the things that you mentioned that I want to jump onto is there are some plants that they want to eat and some plants they don't want to eat. How do I get them to eat either plants that they don't necessarily want to Or I'm going to even say graze in areas that they don't want to, because there's some areas with pretty steep hills, pretty steep slope, and that's not where they preferentially go. They're going to graze down where it's easy. How do I get them to either graze the plants or the areas that I want them to? Well, so obviously the first thing you think about is fence, but that can be rather challenging in some of these large ranches. That's a lot of fence to build. Even a single strand electric hot wire on many of these areas is not feasible. Mm -mm. And so... We do things where we try to encourage the animals to locate in that area. So like maybe putting a water source in that area or we put the mineral feeder and those kind of things in that area. And we move those around to different areas of the ranch so that those animals will spend more time in different areas of the ranch. And so grazing pressure is usually higher around those congregating areas. So I think key point on the mineral, because where do I put the mineral? I typically put it where it's convenient for me, right? And and if I really want to think about it, I probably need to have that A, not in the same area. So do I have my, if I've got a tub, do I have it on a sled? Do I have it easy to do? Spend a little time making it easy for you. Or if I'm feeding blocks or whatever the case is, I can put those out in different places. Now, often I don't. Because I've got five minutes and I'm going to just throw this out or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's a great point because now the water, that's out of the window, right? I, I can't move the water in most cases, but I can move mineral. Yeah. Well, you know, usually if you drive down the road, you know, where you see the mineral tub, right inside the gate where it's real easy to get to. And so... Yeah. That's where we put it. Yeah. But, but that's not the best place to manage the grazing distribution, especially in a large 
um, pasture. The other place that I think about that helps, and it's the congregation areas, and essentially they go to the congregation areas and they branch out from there. Do I have a distribution of shade or shelter in some of those areas? Because depending on the time of year, they will also spread out based on those. So there are some times, and I know many people, we may not have trees everywhere that we have, but we may want to have some way, whether it's trees that I save or something to make shelter for those cattle, because that also drives them around to different areas of the pasture. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned water, and you know, maybe we think of wells or things like that, but we can dig some stock ponds in different areas. And so then those cattle can graze those areas in the spring or the wetter times of the year when those stock ponds have water in them. If they dry up, then we'd move cattle to areas where we have wells and things like that. Great point. So there are some of those even that aren't necessarily... I don't know that I would call them a pond, but they're kind of a dugout where you have an area where, just like you said, in the spring, it'll have water in it intentionally, whereas Mm -hmm. sometimes we have those that unintentionally have water in them, but intentionally have water in it for drinking. And then at other times of year, it's gone. But that does help spread them around. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to one thing that you said earlier about managing the grazing on those different species. And the way that we try to manage that is by holding them in there and getting them to eat the species that they don't want to eat as well, and then leaving a long rest period so that those preferred species have a chance to recover well before you put cattle back in there, because they're going to graze those off first when you put them right back in that same paddock. So you have to have that prolonged rest period, because if you keep them in long enough to eat the stuff they don't want by nature, we're overgrazing some of the stuff we do want. Yes, exactly. So how do I figure out how to apply some of those adaptive management techniques to my operation or to my ranch? Well, a lot of it is going to come down to trial and error. But pay attention to the grazing distribution, how much time are animals spending in different parts of the ranch, and go to different parts of the ranch and make sure you're looking at the forage there before and after the animals move to that area so that you are, again, kind of like in the monocultures, we're looking at how much residue is left and how mature that forage is when cattle are going to that area. And, you know, and I can do things to try to get those cattle to go to that area like we talked about so I can change that pressure at different times. I like your idea of encouraging them with mineral or salt or it takes a little bit more planning, but if I want to have a little dugout or a place to have some water that they can have at certain times a year, that certainly will spread them around. Sprinkled in with shelter if available at those different areas and make those consideration if you do end up splitting your pasture in some way that they have a little bit of each of those in there especially water they need that Mm -hmm. appreciate your thoughts on warm season grazing philip and i think this gives some good ideas you've got to manage it different than cool season we're not grazing them down to a uniform height we're looking to manage some of those individual species because if we don't we end up creating a pasture that has none of the things that they want to graze or can get as much benefit from so thanks philip thank you brad